Hey, welcome to Get On and Shine with me, Holly Honeychurch. Firstly, I'm going to sing a song. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Holly. Happy birthday to me. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. It's half past nine on Saturday the 22nd of August. Tomorrow, August 23rd, that's my birthday, but I thought I'd get an early birthday song in with you. I'm feeling very cosy. I don't know about you. I hope you're cosy or relaxed and cool or hot, whatever you want to be. I hope you are. I'm cosy because I'm speaking into a cardboard box, a very large one. Two, in fact. I'll send some photos. I'll do a post. I've got blankets in this box. They are like the egg boxes or the the, the sound muffling foam. I don't know what the official thing is that it's called. But I've got blankets and I'm literally talking into a little den. Earlier on, we tried some different sound setups and one of them added um, a a lovely brushed cotton duvet I've got. I love, I love him. He's called Patch. I love this. It's just a single cotton duvet cover, but he's like my snuggle blanket. And I put Patch over like I was one of those old-fashioned camera takers, picture takers from the olden days. And I had him over me, him, her, it, Patch over me, and I felt so snug. I was literally in this den. It was really fun. I haven't got a patch on me now. I didn't need to go that far, but I'm talking into this box. And I've got a bright orange blanket and a blue blanket as well. So it's all colourful. Yay! It's been ages since I made a podcast. I have had the most tremendous month and a half. It's been incredibly stressful. I've never been so stressed as this in my whole life. When I last spoke to you, I was telling you, I told you that I wanted to get pregnant. And was I pregnant? Wasn't I? I wasn't. I thought I was. But it turns out I was the opposite of that. And the signs I was getting were like a very, very early, like literally a few days of a miscarriage rather than what I thought it was, like a nestling in of the little, I think it's called a zygote, or is it, no, it's a blastocyst. I've been reading all about the science of getting pregnant. And that's okay. It was, it was exciting at first. I really thought I was, and I did a test and The test wasn't conclusive, but to me at the time, and to Simon as well, we thought I was pregnant. But it turns out I did another test after I told a few people I was pregnant, and I wasn't. And it was a bit of a shock, because I really thought I was. Um, So I was dealing with a lot of, oh, I'm pregnant, and thinking of the future. And then all of a sudden, I'm not pregnant, and I'm in reality again, a different kind of reality took a a while to readjust but during all of that my mum was moving up to Scotland and that was incredibly stressful because you know usually you get 
two, three months, maybe even longer, when you exchange keys and when you've got to be out of your house. This was this exchange happened, we didn't even know on the day she was supposed to be moving whether she was going to actually move or not. It got down to the hour and she only just found out that she was moving, even though obviously she'd packed everything. It nearly fell through basically. And to have to wait for calls from the solicitors and they weren't playing ball and and they were saying no to things and And it felt like an awful lot of work that we shouldn't have had to have done. An awful lot of stress. For a whole day, I sat by the phone, literally sat by a phone, waiting for some good news, which never came. And the stress that that caused internally, it just, I've never experienced anything like it. It felt like a real, a real loss of myself. It felt like I was not there. And Simon would say, Holly, come back to me. And I would try, really I would, but my mind would not stop thinking and thinking the worst and worrying. And the anxiety was through the roof. I tried so much not to be like that, but it was, we wanted this goal, this goal for her to be up here. And it was so important. And I couldn't trust, I couldn't trust that the right thing would happen. I didn't believe in the magic at the time and I just, it needed to happen and I was trying to control it so much. It did happen in the end and we got some amazing removal guys who literally put it off until the last minute and then were still happy to move us because, you know, you book removals in months in advance and you pay them a deposit and it, does usually you know we we would have had the the deposit taken away from us because we already had to move the the date a couple of days um, down the week. So these guys were amazing, busy chaps in Exeter. If you ever need them, <laughs> they moved mom, and it was it was an ecstatic time. It was like she's finally up here. It's brilliant, really really good. Um, but I I just got concerned about how how vulnerable I was to my emotions and how I wanted to not be like that not be so caught up in my own swirly whirl of of stress that everything else was forgotten I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I've just never experienced anything like that before I think it shows that I've kind of had quite a calm life really And then something really, really terrible happened that I've, I feel really betrayed by my mum. So we're not speaking anymore. And the irony of her moving up here to be part of the family and to start a new life. She's happy. She's up here. She's free of debt. She's got a great house. She hasn't got neighbours who shout at her anymore um she hasn't got any debts it's really good for her and I'm happy for her but within all of that for the last three weeks since she moved up I have literally gone downhill to such an extent that I can't quite believe what's happened 
I've just been offline. I haven't been able to be a part of much, really. When I was younger, I got abused by my grandfather, my mum's father. And ever since then, I, I told her, I told my parents, and they they confronted him and did what, I don't know what they did. I think they called the police and they, they the police gave their advice and I don't really know what else they did. But the long and short of it is they allowed me to carry on seeing him um, and they just thought I'd forget about it. So they believed me, but they thought they I would just forget about it and we would carry on being a family. I just wasn't allowed in the room with him on my own. So as I got older, through my through seven, eight, nine, happened when I was four, so seven, eight, nine, ten, started to think, what is this? You know, why am I still seeing him? As I got older, I just thought, what's going on? And I started to ask my parents, and they said that they, it was all about the will. It was all about the will of my grandparents, and they wanted the house. So they did everything they could, but because I would get an inheritance at the end of it, then that's why we had to keep seeing granddad. I thought, okay, so this inheritance thing was a really big deal. And for a kid to grow up with that kind of a, a concept, you know, it's when I told Simon about it, he was, it's kind of weird, you know, you just don't, talk about inheritance you might get one you might not but this was really drummed into me that this was the reason why it was all happening and then came to about 13 and and I I just didn't want to see him I as soon as I could stay home on my own I didn't want to hang out with him anymore um time went on and they died and then I was sort of left with this feeling that I've always had that I was owed something. I was really owed. Fast forward to me being sort of 35. My dad's died. He was the financial organiser. He knew what he was doing and kept mum in check as far as spending went, though they were both big spenders and big hoarders. And I find out that my mum has signed her whole house away, my whole inheritance, basically. She signed it away to this company so that she can get money. And then it was like an equity release thing. But she didn't tell me, so I just started seeing her spending more and going on holidays and buying car after car. I think she had three cars. Um, I didn't see any of it. It's just something that happened. And I eventually talked to her about it, and I looked at the contract. 
And what she'd signed was that they now owned her house. They own my grandparents' house. They own the house that I thought was going to come to me, that they wanted it to come to me. You know, it was such a big thing. So, obviously, I was kind of stressed that she'd done it, that she hadn't even talked to me about it. She'd done it all secretly and spent all the money secretly. It made me feel really, obviously, let down, like, shocked that she would just not even think that that would affect me at all. So we went into action mode, trying to get her out of this loan. There was still some equity left, even though she'd racked up a massive debt. There was still time for her to get out and downsize and own her house again. So Simon worked out a budget in order to do that. And that's how she came up to Scotland, into a smaller house, and she still had some money left over. I had a chat with her and I said, Mum, I don't know whether I'm ever going to get any of this inheritance. I don't know what's going to happen with your care. I don't know what's going to happen with with anything, really. We just don't know the future. So please, can you just help me now? Just with a little bit so we can get a deposit so that we can put it towards something like really stable, some bricks and mortar. Because she took a hundred thousand pounds, she spent a hundred thousand pounds, and she hasn't got anything to show for it. She just frittered it away, and that's why when I went to her house, she couldn't move because there was so much stuff in it that she bought. And when I asked her this, and I said, "Look, we've worked out a way. It would just be really amazing, you know," and she agreed, and she said, "Yeah, that's a good way." And then when she moved up and she got this extra money that she was she was paid by the solicitor and she changed her mind and decided not to give it to me and I couldn't take it. She didn't even acknowledge it really. <laughs> it's not that she even changed her mind. She said she couldn't remember having that conversation with me you know, the conversation that would change my life and help me to get my own home and have a family in it. She couldn't even remember. And I I couldn't cope with that, actually. I just ran away. I ran out of the house. I ran down the street and Simon found me a long time later, just bawling my eyes out on a, a golf course. And she didn't come after me. She didn't check I was okay. She didn't text me. She just kept saying, she'll get it when I die, she'll get it when I die. And she just doesn't get that she spent so much already. And she promised me something, which she then just started spending and I got scared. I got scared about what the future meant. It's just, I've like, I've got like a dragon, a dragon sickness, you know, from The Hobbit, where this gold means so much. It's all wrapped up in trauma from childhood, from promises that your parents make and then break. 
from things that happened that shouldn't have happened. And you carry that, I carried this through with me. And then to see her, to hear her say no, she can't even remember me asking her to help me this one time to help me because we've helped we helped her get all the way up to Scotland, get her out of debt. And she couldn't even do that one thing for me. I'm an only child, so she would probably say I was quite spoiled. But I just feel like I'm owed. And I said that to her. I wrote to her. I said, I feel really owed. I feel like you haven't got any empathy for my situation. You won't even acknowledge my situation. And because of that, she's a narcissist. I don't know whether you've ever had a parent or somebody, a partner, who's a narcissist. I've met a few in my time. I always see the good, you know. That's what somebody who is near a narcissist does. Sees the good, takes the bad, sees the good. And I really have helped her and looked after her for so many years in one way or another. Like she has me, but since growing up, it's been very one way. Down to conversations, I would call her up and... And before I even said hello, she would be talking about herself, not even stopping for breath about her whole day and not even ask how I was. And I just forgave her. I just forgave her and carried on. Oh, it's okay. And I thought that's what my life was going to be like, just being on the end of somebody who can't see my point of view. She sees me as a child rather than somebody who's got feelings and has got an opinion. Since I sent her the letters, I sent her two letters. One, the first one was an angry letter. Well, for me, it was angry. It's not angry when you read it. It's just stating the facts. And the second, when I didn't hear from her, was a compassionate but firm letter, which said, I need to protect myself from you now and I can't trust you anymore. You can't seem to recognise my point of view. So all I can do is wish you luck. Enjoy all your spending. Enjoy making new friends. But I can't be around to see you spending all that again. Not after everything that's happened. So there's different things going on. That was like three weeks ago. There's like this sadness over... My mum not being who I wanted her to be and like wanting to celebrate me and Simon and hopefully our future family. Not celebrating how much we helped her. And just not acknowledging even how I feel at all. She's basically ignored me since I wrote those letters. And it's like, how, how far do you go until you can't take any more? Because I've done so many years of being patronised and not listened to, and I flipped. Something had to be done this time. And what had to be done is I just had to remove myself from the situation, just not being able to be near her because she'd hurt me so much. And I don't know if I can ever go back into being around her if she doesn't acknowledge what I've written at all. So 
his early days. She can't take criticism. She holds a grudge for a long time. But I'm a daughter and she can't even see how she hurt me. It's very confusing. I just obviously want her to be okay. I care for her. But at the same time, I need to look after myself and, and not feel like I'm being treated like a doormat, being walked over. <laughs> it's a really difficult situation. And for the last three weeks, I've just, goodness me, I've gone over it and over it and questioned and talked to her and said, how could you, how could you not think of me? How is it all about you again? How could you spend so much money, so much that was promised to me? It's really difficult. I wanted to talk it out. Thanks for being here still, if you made it. I understand if you turned off though, because, you know, everybody's got so much their own stuff to deal with. They don't need my stuff as well. But I just wanted to talk it out because I'm going around in circles. Have good days. Have days where I can just chill and have some laughs. Simon's really happy when I'm back. It's like, you're back. It's really good. And then I'll go off again and think about it and get annoyed about it again. It's a process. I'm not really into that word process, but it is. It's funny, so ironic that dropping in for a cup of tea around hers now is the last thing I want to do. I think the only way over time this can get sorted is if we see a mediator, a neutral person who can listen to both of us and can mediate because if it's just down to me and her, she doesn't listen <laughs> She just sort of interrupts and talks and she goes into victim mode. She's very good at that. She's fine if things are going her way, but then if they're not, she will go into talking about her age or her health. And I said to her, putting all those things aside, not talking about that, what about your conscience and your soul and just the thought and the love that you have for another human being, your daughter. I haven't heard from her about what she thinks about that, but her silence is telling considering it's my birthday tomorrow and there isn't a card or anything from her. So that's, that's big, not to get a card from your mum on your birthday. I'm talking about it today because I want to go into tomorrow with a happy face and shiny eyes. A big takeaway from all of this, a big lesson, is not to place so much emphasis on money. Money's been following me around, this money has my whole life. And letting go of it is more tricky than I thought. I haven't ever tried to let go of it before because it's always been a given that it would just be there. But what I realised and what I wrote to mum was that it's not really about the money in the end. It's about my honour and my dignity and how this money represented that and how I feel like I've been sold short 
and I've been disrespected. So it turns out it's not really about money at all, but about feelings, feeling betrayed. But yeah, I have got to let go of this money. It's not going to be in my life ever, probably. And everything that happened when I was a kid, I'm just going to have to let that go. Think for the think for the present, Holly. Not any other time now, because so far it just has not done you any good. <laughs> it's time for me to be strong and independent and not rely on anybody, including old family. It's time to make my own way and it's time to make magical, innocent, pure money all by myself. I'm already getting a sense of freedom. It's not there all the time, but whenever I think about letting go of this money, I just feel like my heart opens and lifts. It feels really beautiful. So I'm keeping on working on that and I get such a sense of relief that I've never had before. It's really wonderful. <laughs> I'm looking forward to cycling down to get a special Switch game that's coming for me. It's Mario Odyssey. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I'm going to have a, a day of yummy food. I've got party rings. Have you have party rings? Those colourful party rings. And I'm having a chicken curry and poppadoms with mango chutney. And a box of Maltesers. <laughs> and some movies and some games. I tend to go out usually on my birthday, but I've decided to have a moochie day tomorrow. I think it'll be really good for me. I'm at that same time as I was last month, where I'm at that in-between stage where baby-wise I'm past ovulation, but haven't yet reached my period. So it's that time when it's like, am I pregnant? Am I not? And whereas last month I had quite a lot going on, but it was still very much like every day, am I, am I, am I? It was a, a kind of an obsessive thing. I haven't even really had time to think about it this month because I've been kind of sad. So in a way, if I'm not pregnant, it's okay because I've got quite a lot of sadness inside at the moment. But if I am, then it's meant to be, and it'll help me to focus on something else and prepare for my next bit of life. Really wishing that everybody has a beautiful Sunday. Maybe you're already having it. And I just want to give a heads up to meditation and David G. I love David G. He does some amazing guided meditations and his calm voice makes me super relaxed and takes me on a nice journey. But even just breathing, which amusingly I find difficult just to stay still and not think of anything except my breath. That's why I like guided meditations. But they do help. They really do just, just for a bit, just to get out of yourself. Because those thoughts inside, they are 
driving me crazy, that's for sure. Maybe they're driving you crazy too. But luckily, there's lots of things that we can do. I'm doing some exercise, some sit-ups, listening to music, playing ping-pong. I'm really into ping-pong. There's a ping-pong table at the park. So I go and play and we're getting better and better at it. It's, it's really fun. I giggle so much. <laughs> it takes me out of myself there too. I think time is going to be the best thing though. And just feeling like I'm a, a whole person who is a kind person, full of love. And just some people don't see eye to eye. And to remember I've got a really, really beautiful life right now. Thanks for listening. Lots of love. Bye.